Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Before we jump into the show, let's get the contact information out of the way. You can contact me several different ways. I have the voicemail, which is area code 206-745-2731. You can also record an MP3 or WAV file and email that to me. If you're not comfortable with recording an audio message, please feel free to contact me via email, and I'll read your comments out on the next show. The address for both email and audio content is firearmscafe at gmail.com. That's all one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. I also have a Facebook listener page, a Twitter account, and a YouTube channel. There are buttons for these at the website, which is firearmscafe.com, so please go there and click on these buttons and like me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, and subscribe to me on YouTube. They are all free. If you would like to support the show financially, at the website there is an Amazon search box. If you use it, Amazon will give me a finder's fee on any products that you buy at no additional cost to you. I also have a donate button through PayPal. I'm looking forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you for spending your time with me and listening to the show. Hey, my friends. Today is Sunday. It's the 2nd of March, 2014. Apologies for not getting the show out sooner, but holy moly, I have been busy. Anyway, moving on, moving on. I want to thank everybody who has gone over to both Firearms Cafe and the Arm Day podcast and uh, has used the Amazon search box. It does help me with uh, the cost of producing the show. Another quick announcement, and I'll I'll, I'll, uh, do a little talking about networks as well. Uh, we do have a lot of feedback to get to on the show, and I'll, I'll get to that here in just a second. Uh, if if you guys have been with me from the start or, or in the last couple of years, you know that uh, I was a member of Gun Rights Radio Network. I'm no longer a member there, not because I chose to leave or anything like that or was unhappy, but because it looks like Gun Rights Radio Network is going to be shutting up the doors. Um... Part of the network, or the idea behind the network back when it first got started, uh, way back in, I think, maybe 2008. It might have been 2007, but I know for sure. Uh, I, I want to say it was 2008 uh, when they started the network. And uh, actually, that's when I first started uh, this show. And um, I think it was back in June of 2008 when my first podcast that I did. Anyway, back then... The internet and uh, gun rights community, that type of thing, uh, the podcast community, was a very different thing than it is to, than it is today. And the, the the concept behind having a network or belonging to a network is much different than uh, than it would be today, uh, and uh, at least from my point of view. Uh, what it did back then, uh, now, well, let's go into a little bit of a backstory. Back when I first started, there was probably maybe six or seven other podcasts that actually were putting stuff out on a, on a regular basis. There were also several podcasts that would start up. They'd do about five or six shows, and then they would kind of pod fade. They'd, they'd go off into oblivion, and you'd never hear from them again. Uh, and some of them were pretty pretty darn good, and some of them, well, maybe they should have been relegated to fading off into obscurity. 
But anyway, uh, things like Facebook, things like uh, Twitter, of course, at that time, I don't even know if they were in existence. I don't think Twitter was in existence. And uh, I think back then, I don't know if Facebook was around then or not, or if it was, it wasn't, of course, it wasn't the powerhouse that it is today. And the, the, uh, the popularity of podcasts wasn't as high as it is now. Uh, so like I said, there was probably maybe six or so that were, that were putting stuff out on the regular. So it made sense to belong to a network because you could, you, you could kind of form a little bit of a community with some of the fellow people out there that were doing stuff, um, that, that were, that were more, uh, pro-gun and and pro-second amendment, pro-freedom, pro-liberty, that type of stuff. And there were, you know, there were a diverse bunch of groups. And so, you know, it was at the point, at that point back then, it was nice to be able to say, Hey, if you listen to my show, go ahead and check out, you know, this show or that show, or, or just zip over to the network and you can, uh, you can see a list of shows that you might like as well that are similar, uh, in in being that they would be pro firearms and pro Second Amendment and you know all that stuff I said before, uh, and it also um, back then, of course, and and, and forums for the most part have kind of have kind of lost a lot of popularity. There's still some big ones out there, uh, but for most part, a lot of the little ones that used to have a lot of. Uh, uh, use or, or uh, uh, subscribers to that forum, I guess, uh, a big membership. Forums, because of Facebook, because of Twitter, things like that, really, I think their time has kind of passed. And it's sort of the same I feel with networks, is the, the time of the networks and and what you could get from a network, you can get the same from Facebook and you can get the same from Twitter. Uh, you, you can form groups on Facebook and things like that. Uh, and, uh, you know, you get a lot, you can get a lot of that sense of community and stuff. Uh, so, uh, I will be going, uh, won't be joining any other networks. I'll be kind of, uh, network free. Uh, and like I said, you know, back, back in the day with forums, that was one of the easiest ways where you could maybe contact the person who was putting out the show. And uh, but like I said, with Facebook and Twitter and, and things like that, you don't really even need that anymore. Uh, so uh, I, I am going to be friends, like I guess, kind of listed as a, a friend, but I'm not a member of uh, of any network. And there's, I think, a new one's going to be starting up called Fire. Uh, What's it? Uh, Gun Rights Gun Rights Network, I think, is the name of it. I can't. Uh, sorry, whoops. <laughs> I can't. I don't have it in front of me. And I can't remember. Um, let me see. Let me give me a moment here, and I'll see if I can click on that. Uh, blah, 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 blah. I think it's going to be called Gun Rights Network. So I think I was. I think I may have been right. Anyway, I think I'll be. I'll be listed kind of as a friend of the network, um, which just means that basically they say, "Hey, this guy's not uh, not a total jerk," and you might want to check his show out too. So you would say, well, if if Network 1 is closing and, they, and it wasn't really a negative experience, why wouldn't you join Network 2 or if, if they are, you know, are, are offering stuff to you, why don't you join them? And, and I've had, uh, you know, a couple of offers and uh, kind of given the same answer is, I for me, I don't think, um, I don't think networks are going to be a good fit for me anymore. Uh, and again, part of it is, I do like having the 
the total uh, autonomy of not being part of a network. Uh, again, what one of the things that networks did for you as a as a as a podcaster is if you were just getting started, you could at least get your show exposed to several different several different uh, uh, listener bases, for lack of a better word. I hope it doesn't sound too marketing ish. Um, but what you could do is you could say, "Hey, I you know I." I I'm part of this community or I'm a like-minded person. Why don't you listen to my show and, and join in on the conversation, that type of stuff. Uh, but again, with uh, things like Facebook, things like Twitter, uh, with the ease of being able to go on other people's shows, uh, especially in, in a uh, audio format, it's not too difficult with things like Skype and some other stuff to be able to kind of do guest appearances on other podcasts or have other podcasters may be on your show, that type of thing. And so then you kind of get that, you kind of get your message out, so to speak. Uh, and then, you know, if you've got a halfway decent show, then it'll be up and around and you'll, you'll get some listeners. And if, and if, uh, you're not, oh, I don't know, maybe sincere, I guess. I, I, I think that there are shows out there that, um, maybe they don't have the best, production quality or maybe they're they're kind of like me they want to get a show out every week but it doesn't happen but you know that they're sincere about what they're talking about and and uh that they're 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 speaking from a genuine place and they're trying to honestly let you know kind of what they feel about certain things so and i think that's one thing that i've always done with this show is that uh I've always tried to never uh, like self-censor or or I've never tried to stay away from things or say things if I really believed them because I thought, oh, what's going to make people mad or it may cause somebody to uh, you know leave the leave the show as a, as a listener that type of thing. And believe me, over the years, I have gotten tons and tons of hate mail. I've also got way more positive stuff. And again, that's what we're going we're gonna to go through some of that stuff today here. So anyway, uh, you know, maybe nobody really gave a crap about this stuff or not. I don't know. Oh, also another thing. When you download the show now, it's going to have an explicit uh, tag on there. On this show, I very rarely ever curse. Um, I, I've done it a couple of times. But people kind of get bent out of shape. Um, and I tried it at, at, at uh, you know, if you use harsh language. And usually I just, I've gotten uh, from a couple of times that I've done it on the show, I've, you know, maybe somebody's written in and complained about it. And basically, I, you know, I just tell them, well, you know, it's gonna, it is going to be what it's going to be. And if you don't like it, there's, uh, you know, there's a bunch of other shows you can go listen to, but I'm not going to fundamentally change who I am, uh, for one or two people out there who complain about things. Uh, but what was I, what was I talking about? I don't even remember now. I kind of lost track. Anyway, um, let's go ahead and jump in with some of the feedback here. The first bit of feedback we've got, you may hear some papers, you may hear some papers rustling. There we go. Uh, because I printed some stuff off. Um, so if you hear that kind of in the background, you'll know what that is. All right. The first bit of feedback we got is from Isaac. 
And on the last show, I think I was talking a little bit about um, when a company uh, that's in the firearms industry, if they're living in, a, if they're if they're operating, I guess I should say, in a state where that state has now kind of swung, or that state is really going far into the anti-gun stuff, and by the state we mean their legislature. Uh, I guess. In large part, you could say it's, it's, it's probably the people as well uh, because they're not saying, well, hey, if these laws are getting passed, we're going to go in and vote these jokers out that did it. Uh, so, But anyway, that may be a discussion for, uh, for another show. Uh, so we had talked about that and I'd asked about, well, what do you guys think about a company that when a, uh, a state is really going anti-gun, them leaving? Is that a good thing? Is it a bad thing? And also for people. If people, let's say, if somebody, if you lived in New Jersey and you worked there, but now you're retiring and you're going to move to Utah or you're going to move to Texas or maybe Arizona because they have a lot better gun laws there and, and you are not going to be oppressed by that state government. What do you think of that? Is that good or bad? And I talked about um, some of the arguments on on, on that were or some of the criticisms I've heard levied at people that do leave and companies that do leave is they say, well, look, if everybody who is pro-gun leaves this state, we're not going to have anybody left to fight. Uh, so anyway, uh, we got a little bit of feedback from, uh, like I said, from Isaac. And Isaac writes in, hi, my name is Isaac. I would just like to say that it is the state's fault and would like to see more companies do the same. The state needs to start listening to its, quote, customers, close quote, the people, which leads us to our congressman. Thanks for your time. I listen to your podcast. I have my concealed carry permit in Florida, and I had to sell my guns to help my family out. I used to carry a Glock 30 SF. It was the best pocket rocket gun. Okay, Isaac. Well, thanks for sending that in. Uh, sorry you had to sell your guns, but, you know, family's got to come first. And, you know, that... That can bring up some interesting stuff too, and some interesting questions is, you know, would you would you sell all your guns and all your ammo if if you felt that you needed to, if you felt that you didn't have any other choice? Uh, maybe with the with the understanding that hey, in a couple of months or so, uh, I'll be able to. Uh, to buy some new ones. You know, that's the one good thing about living or what's one of many good things I should say about living in, uh, in America is you can pretty much all, you know, you can pretty much always get a gun. Um, as long as you're not a prohibited possessor, that type of thing. Uh, but I've had some friends in the past that have had to sell, they didn't have to sell everything, but they had to sell some of the stuff that they would rather had not have sold. Um, and, and the, the person I'm thinking of had to do it for medical issues. Uh, but, you know, that is one, that's another good thing about if you own some firearms is they are a commodity. You can almost always get a decent, fair price for them. And that may, you know, help you out down the road. All right. So anyway, let's go ahead and move on again, Isaac. Thanks for sending that in. Uh, let's see, on the last show, or the show before last, I can't remember which, um, was talking about, you know, what do people carry, that type of thing. Anyway, 
got this in, and this is from Tom, and he writes in, Good day, Tony. Just got finished listening to episode uh, 106. As for my everyday carry, I carry a full-size Taurus 24-7 40-cal in a Old Faithful holster. It's an inside-the-waistband. And a extra 15-round mag in a horizontal mag holder. I used to carry a pocket gun, which was a Colt Mustang, thinking all I needed is 6 plus 1 to get the job done. Now, this is the reason I went to a full-size gun with an extra mag. A few years ago, I was traveling with my family, and I just so happened to have my Taurus on me and the extra mag in the truck. We stopped in Las Vegas, New Mexico about 2 a.m. on a Friday night. I just pulled in uh, into a gas station to fill up. I saw six shady young adults who looked like they just got out of prison. When they started walking towards me, asking for money, I knew something was wrong. The first thought was, is 15 plus 1 going to be enough? Well, I decided knowing that I have a quarter tank, quarter of a tank left, excuse me, I turned back around and ran back in my truck to get out of there. At that point, I had decided not to get into a gunfight or get stabbed and just to stay alive to provide for my family. I thank God that I did not have to brandish my handgun. You know the saying, the only gunfight you win is the one you are not in. Since then, I've been taking more training instead of just the firing range in a stagnant position. As for other podcasts, try Student of the Gun or Talking Lead. Keep up the good work, and that's Tom. All right, Tom, thanks for sending that in. Uh, oh, the the thing about where he was talking about other podcasts, I'd also asked if, if people had um, other podcasts that they liked or uh, different shows that they thought you guys would like listening to. So uh, if you want to ever call in using the voicemail uh, or you want to uh, send in an email with a recommendation of a show that you think is good or if you're doing a show and, uh, you know, feel free to call in and and, uh, do a little bit of self-promotion. Now, there was, oh, what the heck was that guy's name? Was it Dunn? This was a few weeks ago. A guy in, I believe it was in, gee whiz, I don't even know where he was. Was he in Florida? I think it was in Florida. And anyway, he basically involved himself, uh, I think he pulled up at like a quick trip or a, you know one of these gas, gas station convenience store type thing. I, yeah, I think it was done and he was in Florida. And... These guys were next to him, uh, were playing their music loud or something, and instead of just ignoring it, he was like, you know, can you turn that stuff down? And then I guess, you know, there were some words exchanged. He went, I think, back to his vehicle and got a gun, and somebody, I can't remember, somebody got killed or got shot. But basically, the whole thing is, and we've talked about before on the show, and I think, uh, before we move on, I think that he, there was like a hung jury or something like that, so I think they're going to have to uh, uh, to retry it, And uh, but anyway, we've talked a lot about, well, when are you going to involve yourself, when, when is it um, paramount for you to get involved, because somebody else is going to be killed, or or they're going to have, you know, suffer grave bodily harm to where they may be maimed for the rest of their life. Uh, and that's, a, it's a, for, for some people, it's very clear cut. And they're, they, and, and, and for people like me, I'm not 
going to get involved in something unless I I think somebody's getting murdered right in front of me or is is getting you know beaten half to death. I I am probably not going to get involved unless it like I said unless I I could within in my own uh, conscience say well. You know, if I didn't get involved, that person was going to die. Now, obviously, if somebody is attacking me, I have not been given a choice whether or not to get involved. Or if somebody is attacking a member of my family, I don't have a choice at that point. I'm going to have to respond. Um, But, you know, much like Tom did, discretion is oftentimes the better part of valor. And I've taken a lot of heat over the years and been called names and coward and all this other stuff and... You know, they'll say, well, if you saw somebody who was robbing a store and you didn't stop them, you know, how would you feel later if you found out somebody was killed, that person killed somebody or did blah, blah, blah. Well, and we've talked about this on the show. I'm not responsible for the actions of other people, much like other people are not responsible for what I choose to do or choose not to do. Uh, so anyway, I'm not going to go in and rehash all that stuff again, but I just wanted to say kudos to you, Tom, for making a good decision and for making a decision that that took your family's well-being more than just right there, meaning that it took it into the big picture. If you're in prison, or if you're if you're dead, you can't do anything to help your family out. So anyway, all right, let's go ahead and uh, move on with a little bit more. This is from uh, Norberto, and he writes in, "Hello, Tony." Recently, I've started listening to your podcast, and now I'm a fan. My main carry firearm lately is a Glock 20 Gen 4. I uh, carry appendix style using a VG2 full kit holster. This is from Raven Concealment Systems. Also, I do carry an XDM 40 Smith & Wesson uh, 4.5 inch using the VG1 XD. I'm only five foot five, so these holster systems uh, works. Uh, so these holsters work amazingly well for me. Uh, I'll keep listening to the podcast and learning stuff from you. Take care, Norberto. All right, Norberto, thanks for sending that in. You know, it, it's the same thing. Uh, not everybody is the same. Everybody is different. Things that are going to fit me are are going to fit maybe Nor uh, are going to fit Norberto a little bit different. Uh, things that maybe fit his hands really well, maybe not fit mine. Maybe they're the, I feel the grip is too big or too small, things like that. So, uh, you know, don't, don't fall into the trap of, you know, just because something's cool or tactical, uh, that you need to get it. And also if, if something, if you feel, well, it's not really that tactical or it's not this or that, don't discount it either because something like that may work really well for you. Uh, so anyway, thanks for sending that in, Roberto. We hope to hear from you again soon. Uh, I also got another thing. Remember, I was talking about um, other podcasts, and so Isaac kind of sent in a thing, a little tongue in cheek here. Said hi. Just wanted to say your show and one other podcast are the only shows worth listening to. Can't wait for your next show. Uh, thanks for your time, Isaac. So well, Isaac, you had to wait a little bit since the last time. So. Uh, again, apologies on that. And thanks for saying that. But there are plenty of shows out there that are uh, actually quite good. All right. Now we have a, uh, a thing from Tiago. And I'll go ahead and read that out. He writes in, Tony, I'm not sure if you remember me, 
but I did write to you a while ago regarding my experience when uh, I attempted gun ownership in my country of birth, uh, which was Brazil. Uh, this time around, I am writing to you once again to thank uh, you for the episodes you have been producing and providing to us free of charge. I tend to gravitate towards people like you that seem to have a very clinical approach to gun rights and at the same time are not excessively abrasive. On the past episode, you had discussed different podcasts that you listened to. Uh, let's see. I myself used to listen to uh, a podcast, but I wanted to discuss something that has been bothering me a lot throughout the years as I became more interested in the defense of our Second Amendment rights. For the most part, I have noticed in rallies, marches, podcasts, and YouTube channels that the vast majority are white. I personally don't have any problem with that, except for a couple of podcasts that have consistently made racial remarks equating people in minority groups uh, to being people that support the Democrats, since they stand to gain from their, meaning the Democrats, social problem or social programs. Excuse me. I too am a libertarian, and I deplore almost all social programs, since they are political tools in order to gather support for their bloating of the government machine. However, I uh, see. I have to say that I take exception uh, from certain uh, podcasters that seem, uh, according to their podcasts and social media posts, to feel that the Second Amendment fight is exclusive to white people, that two, all minorities seek big government, and three, minorities are fundamentally liberal, and finally, four, minorities seek to have a paternalistic relationship with the government and they seek to be taken care of. However, I have to say that I have listened to you from the very beginning, and although you are a fervent supporter of the Second Amendment, as I am, I never felt excluded uh, from nor marginalized by your podcast. In fact, I think that our cause would be much stronger if we seek to include minorities in our fight so that they can realize that they too have skin in this struggle. Furthermore, I have noticed that your episodes have been coming a bit more far apart, and I really hope that you continue to bring uh, your word to us for a little while longer. And he ends that with a smiley face. So, uh, thanks a lot, uh, Tiago. You know, there is a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of stuff there. Now, in I, I, I will, will give a little bit of disclosure in Tiago's. Um, Email. He did specifically mention a podcast and a, and a specific uh, podcaster that he felt were, were doing this stuff. That particular show, I've never heard. I've never listened to it. Um, so I don't know. Uh, and because I, I don't know of that stuff and have never heard it, I, I don't want to necessarily get into uh, calling somebody out, that type of thing. Uh, do I doubt that that maybe has happened? Absolutely not. But I don't, uh, again, since I haven't heard it, I don't know. Uh, but I don't, uh, I, I don't discount anything that Tiago has said. So anyway, let's talk about a couple of those things. For years and years, in fact, almost probably since, you know, show number one. Now, I used to be, uh, uh, I used to be more Republican in nature um, although, you know, even, even way back when, 
there were things about the Republican Party that I just never agreed with, things that never sat right with me, things with the ultra-conservative stuff that I just, I never agreed with. And once I became kind of a little bit more aware, I guess, politically speaking, and started doing a little bit more research, and I and I came across the Libertarian Party, and I said, oh, okay, well, this is this is kind of, you know, where I belong. Uh, these are the people that, for the most part, espouse a lot of the same beliefs and things that I do. Uh, and I've talked, you know, before about how, well, we're not going to jump into the, down on that road again. Um, so anyway, like I was saying, from the from the very first, I've always said that we need to be in the Second Amendment community and gun culture, whatever you want to call it. We need to be more inclusive. And one of the things that I had said that if you really want to seek change, if you really want to have a, a big kind of social consciousness shift, the group that you need to go after is women. Uh, it need, women for a long time have been excluded from the Second Amendment culture, and there there was kind of a thought, although it's changed slowly changing. And I have seen some some turnaround, which is really good. But it was kind of thought that, you know, if you were a woman, and I had some other, uh, uh, some women tell me that kind of, they're like, well, you know, if, if you're a woman and you're kind of into guns and shooting and all this stuff, it's really, there's something kind of off about you. It's, really, it's not really a feminine thing. Uh, and I think that's changing because, Again, defense of yourself and, and taking responsibility for yourself is not a gender thing. It's not a sexual orientation thing. It's not a race thing. It's a human thing. So the idea that there should be something not feminine about wanting to make sure that you're safe and that your family is safe and that by doing that, you're somehow, you know, less of a, you know, maybe it's a little bit more kind of butch, so to speak, uh, is, is something I think that's kind of going away. And a lot of it, honestly, has to do with just exposure. Uh, a lot of these uh, these women, you know, maybe have been brought up around the fact that, well, if, if it's not anti-gun, maybe they have some, some legitimate fears uh, of firearms just because they haven't been around them. But once they get around them and once they start to understand that they can control that gun, that it's no different than picking up a hammer or a screwdriver or, you know, if you want to say, well, like even a power tool, it's no different than maybe picking up a jigsaw. You're going to control that thing. That thing is not going to control you. And once you realize that, no matter whether it's, again, guns, power tools, a car, once you realize that thing does your bidding and you don't do its bidding because it has no bidding, it's an inanimate object, a lot of those fears can go away. Now, I've talked uh, before in past shows about that my wife was kind of brought up that, oh, guns are bad and you really shouldn't have it. And so she's had some kind of some legitimate fears. And a long time ago, we did, or she did, I should say, a uh, uh, Women of Guns podcast. Uh, um, Oh, I was almost said podcast uh, uh, training type deal where she went that and was also part of the NRAs don't refuse to be a victim type deal. And so she did that. And she came away from that, I think, uh, a little bit step closer. And then 
over the past few months, you know, she and I have been talking a lot about, you know, what does it really mean to to try and own your own protection or to try and provide a safe environment for your loved ones? What does it mean to, to, to be able to protect your child? What does it mean to be able to protect your husband or your wife? What does that mean? And she kind of came to realize, you know, I've got to get a handle on some of these, these fears that I have. And I need to be an active part of the defense of my family. I need, if, if push comes to shove, I need to have some options. I don't want to only have one option, which is hopefully we can run away. Uh, because you may be in a situation where running away is not an option. It's just not available to you. Uh, and again, just because you have a gun doesn't mean you're going to have to use it, but it gives you options. Uh, so anyway, she has made tremendous strides. Um, she, we, we, uh, and a lot of this, you know, a lot of times I'll, I'll get guys that will, will, uh, write in and they'll say, man, my, my wife just isn't, uh, she doesn't hate them, uh, but she's just not behind them. I wish she could be more active and things like that. And, you know, how do I, how do I broach those subjects? How do I get my, my spouse involved? Um, now I haven't really had any women that have written in and said, well, my husband's not really, you know, into guns or anything. And I kind of am. How do I, how do I get him involved? Uh, it's, it's primarily from what I've gotten. And that's not to say it doesn't happen, but from what I've gotten has been men saying, writing and saying, man, I wish my wife was more, you know, kind of into the same type of stuff that I am. And I wish she would kind of, you know, want to go out and shoot with me, but she doesn't. And, and for my wife's journey, again, it had to be a thing of the, something that she kind of had to come to. And when we would see things on the news, I would say we would kind of have discussions about them and ask questions. Well, could this outcome have been better for that person had they had a firearm or would it, would it have not made a difference at all? Um, and, and during the school shootings, we talked about things like, well, if it was in sort of that public zeitgeist, so in that public consciousness that... If you go to a school to shoot it up, there's there's there might be a police officer there, but there's definitely going to be staff, and you're not going to know who it is, that they're going to be armed, and they've been trained to, uh, to aggressively stop you. And once that was sort of public knowledge, school shootings would go away because those people, they want a place where they can go and have no opposition. And once they know that they are going to be aggressively opposed with lethal force, they are not going to go there because they're not going to be able to carry out the agenda that they want. Anyway, so we would discuss things like that. And uh, maybe for some of you guys out there that that uh, maybe your wives aren't, again, they're not against you, but they're they're not really, they're just kind of like, ah, eh, you know, you've got the gun, it's fine. And, and when we're together, you'll, you'll, you'll be able to protect us. But a lot of times... You know, what you think is going to happen and what may happen can be two very different things. So if you say, if you were in a restaurant and your husband, who's got the gun, or your, let's, let's just say spouse, your spouse who has the gun, gets shot. Not dead, but they're shot. They're basically out. Um, can you Can you access that firearm from them 
and fight to try and get your family or fight to try and protect your loved one who's down? Can you give yourself some options? And if the answer is no, how are you going to feel down the road if you knew that I could have fought back and because I didn't, somebody in my family is dead or because I didn't, my child and my spouse no longer has me because I'm gone. I'm dead. Again, you want to give yourself and you want to give your family as many options as possible for you to survive. And it is a a violent world that we live in. And in a lot of ways, the world has gotten a lot better. And in a lot of ways... We are safer than we are probably at any time in history. But that doesn't mean that there is no danger. That doesn't mean that you can't find yourself in a situation where you're going to be fighting for your life. So the idea that you wouldn't give yourself every opportunity that you could to make sure that you at least have some options to protect yourself, protect your family. And maybe in a larger sense, by protecting yourself and your family, you're going to protect somebody else's children or somebody else's spouse. So anyway, uh, let's get back a little bit to some of the stuff that Tiago was saying about um, being more inclusive, I guess, as a gun culture. Now, what I've seen out here in Arizona, and you guys know I, I'm, I'm living out here in Arizona, when I've gone to rallies and stuff, I see, I'm starting to see it's a lot different than it was back uh, six, seven years ago, where you would predominantly see older white males. But when I go now to these places, or, or, or uh, when I'm at the gun range, or you know that type of thing, what I see is I see, number one, I see a lot more... Um, younger people, I see, uh, especially, um, I see a lot more women that I was talking about before, but I also see a lot more of people that would be considered to, uh, to be in a minority group. I see a lot more Hispanics. I see a lot more, uh, blacks, both men and women, uh, that are out there shooting and going into ranges and things like that. So I do think that there is, that there is a, uh, a broadening of minority people that are coming into the gun world. And what we need to do, whether you would consider yourself a minority or not, what we need to do as gun culture people is welcome people with open arms. Now, another group that I had talked about years ago was trying to welcome people who are... uh, who are gay, who are lesbian, transgender, you know, blah, 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 whatever you want to call it. Again, they're still, you, you got to get beyond trying to lump people into groups and things like that. And, and you've got to just say they're people. They're, they have thoughts and feelings and emotions and hopes and dreams and, and wants and desires, just like you do. They're no, they're really no different. And unfortunately, a lot of times in gun culture, there is a subsect of that. They don't like gays. They don't like anybody who looks a little different from them. And this can go. It doesn't mean it's just like, oh, these white dudes don't like any of these black guys. It can mean, oh, 
these uh, Asian dudes, they hate black dudes or they hate white people or blah, blah, blah. You know, whatever color you want to, you can flip-flop it and reverse it. Basically, as more and more people are coming into and wanting to come into the fold and are, and are, and are having the realization that... All right, I don't know if you heard that ding-dong of the doorbell there, but one of the little neighbor kids came down. Wanted to play with my daughter. So anyway, um, I don't exactly remember where I was, but uh, I know we were talking about being inclusive and things like that. And, you know, again, that is something that we in the gun culture need to do. Uh, And like I said before, you know, we're pretty tribal in nature, just people in general. And even, you know, even saying, oh, there's gun culture and this and that and the other thing, you know, it it does help to sort of say, okay, well, I know where you're coming from and that type of thing. But we really need to be more open-armed. We really need to... Um, kind of put aside some of our preconceptions and notions and, and again, just realize they're people, they have families, they have people that love them. Uh, so anyway, um, Tiago, one of the things that I would say that, you know, if you're not seeing a lot of people that, uh, you know, would be like in a minority group that are doing videos, or maybe you're not seeing a lot of people that are Brazilian that live in in the United States that are doing videos or doing a podcast or things like that. Um, you know, start your own YouTube channel, uh, start, um, maybe your own podcast or, you know, do, do kind of what you're doing, you know, contact different podcasts and say, Hey, this is how I feel. And, and kind of get your message out. Uh, you know, do do Twitter or do a Facebook page. You know, there's there's lots of things out there that you can do and then uh, encourage other people that you know. Hey, if you feel this way, you know, put some stuff out there. Uh, now, I ha- I'm, I'm seeing a lot more um, people on YouTube and, uh, and, and certain social media things like that that are, you know, you would call maybe like in a minority group uh, that are putting stuff out. Which is a good thing, and again, you know, you uh, the more you see something, the more kind of normalized it becomes, and uh, again, then you're, uh, or or not necessarily people that listen to this show, but um, you know, other people out there, when that becomes more of a normalized thing, they you know they sort of lose their ability to kind of lump those people into a group, maybe where there shouldn't be. Uh, and, you know, uh, quite frankly, if you listen to a show and you hear somebody that uh, are, are saying, you know, well, uh, you know, all, you know, insert group here, people do this or do that, um, you know, call uh, call into that guy's show or uh, write them an email and say, hey, here's what you said. And don't say, I took offense to it. Just say, well, I disagree with you on this and here's the reasons why. Um, and state your case. And if that person tells you, you know, eh, you know, jump in a lake or do whatever, or they're not going to change, then, you know, you, you did your part and, um, you go listen to somebody else and you say, and, uh, you know, uh, other than that, there's, I don't know that there's a whole lot you can do again. You know, it also brings up the stuff of, of, uh, kind of free speech and, and, uh, you know the concept behind it. You know from 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 the Bill of Rights standpoint. You know free speech has to do with 
you know, the government uh, silencing you uh, and not letting you, you know, redress grievances and things like that. But, you know, from a social context, even if you find what somebody says as, you know, offensive or distasteful or hateful, there are people who, you know, who would want me not to do this show and want me not to talk about stuff because they find it distasteful. They find it, uh, you know, maybe even hateful or something because, you know, oh, if you use a gun, you hate people, blah, blah, blah. So if you want to have your say, uh, you sort of have to let somebody else have their say. And you don't have to like it. You don't have to agree with it. Uh, But what you can't do is say, well, I should silence that person. Uh, Because ultimately, the answer to bad speech or, you know, hate speech is good speech or love speech. You know, if you you want to call it that. Um, So anyway, uh... Let's see, I think I got another bit of feedback. So again, uh, Tiago, thanks for sending that in. I hope to hear from you again real soon, and uh, uh, I'm glad you're a listener to the show. We do have some audio feedback from Lawrence, so we're going to hear from another Brazilian on the show today. So we got Team Brazil. Anyway, I'll go ahead and play Lawrence's uh, MP3 that he recorded and sent in, and then we'll uh, have a few comments on that. Hi, Tony. Uh, This is Lawrence from Matthews, North Carolina. I participated on some episodes back in, I think, 2012, and I'm back now. I think you had another Brazilian guy on the show like two or three episodes after I participated. I spoke about the... uh, Brazilian laws and uh, how they become the most restrictive country in the world when it comes to guns. Well, this time around, I want to comment on the G42, okay, the Glock 42. What I want to say uh, about this gun, I think it kind of came late to the market, okay? I really think Glocks are very good uh, tools, very nice guns. It's not my favorite uh, platform because I don't like the grip angle. And you, you know, get uh, Glock guys crazy when you say that, but it's just not the best grip on the market. But my opinion on that is, well, it's going to work because it's a Glock, and we know Glock makes a very functional uh, guns and and a Glock 42 will be no exception to the rule but uh, to me it's just does not match my needs and and I'm going to explain that to you first you have to ask yourself uh, what you're going to get from that gun the gun is in the 380 caliber which is a very shootable uh, caliber on that platform. I think the people who are recall sensitive will benefit from that gun. But can you get a same size gun in nine millimeter? Yes, definitely. Yes. So 
From that point of view, the G42 doesn't match my needs because I know it was intended for concealed carry. And if I get a CM9, I will have the same capacity with the, uh, you know, a nicer package because the gun is smaller. Uh, the CM9 is smaller than the Glock 42. And I think it is a little bit thinner than the Glock uh, 42. If you need more grip, you just get the CW9. So it's a 9mm and the same size, and you get a best uh, promising caliber. But I know shot placement is important, is important and, and this is all, uh, you know, an equation of lots of factors that uh, will determine the outcome on a self-defense scenario. So uh, another thing is the brand sells itself. I mean, if you're a Glock guy, you definitely want to have a Glock 42. And they're so easy just to, uh, you know, go along with the Glock lines of pistols. You can get, you know, can always get it back. Just like I said, Glock 26 is barely used by you. So you're going to get rid of the Glock 26 and maybe later you can have it back because Glocks are everywhere. So it doesn't hurt to try. Okay? But before I uh, finish my comment here, I would like to point to a, a thing. I've seen a lot of opinions uh, coming from Glock guys uh, in the last five, six years that I have my own channel on YouTube. And... Uh, you know, I've seen Glock guys all the time saying there's no point in a 380, a smaller 380, because you have a G26, a G27, and it's easy to conceal this or that. Well, the same guys now think it makes sense to have a 380 just because it's a Glock. So. I can't help but uh, make some fun <laughs> on this uh, about this because you know now the uh, the Glock worshippers uh, have a 380. They always had. It was just that we didn't have it in America. But it would be interesting to see a Glock uh, double stack in 380 because. As you just mentioned in your uh, last podcast, uh, there are some people we call sensitive people that would benefit on training with the same, uh, I would say, same, almost same uh, weight on a double stack 380 than a G19, and they could, you know, um, improve and maybe uh, go for a 9mm uh, platform later on. But, well, the thing is, To all Glock worshippers, now a 380 single stack 380 makes all the sense. Well, okay. To me, the CW9 in 9 makes more sense. 
but there are others in 380 single stacks that make sense to me. Okay, the Carolina products in 380. Diamondback is the 380 single stack that Glock haven't had until the present moment. Okay, it's just to look, uh, you know, closer, and you're gonna see nice. 380s, even the utilitarian guns like the Keltex. You know, the LCP made a, his name, uh, made its name for itself on a Keltex platform. Actually, it's a copy of that gun. It's, uh, it's got a better finish. Okay, I understand. It's, it's very nice, but it didn't work pretty good for me. Mine has lots of fails to feed and to eject my Keltec P32 never had a problem okay I, I'm gonna try the Keltec uh, P3TA or PT3A something like that uh, the 380 version of the Keltec well I know uh, you get uh, a more easy gun to conceal and you lose in uh, on the uh I would say shootability because it recalls a lot. Well, I'll finish my comment saying that all guns make sense. <laughs> And when you want a gun, you're going to get the right excuse to do. I know this message uh, turned out to be pretty big. I, You don't have to to play it at all. But, uh, you know, I just wanted to uh, stop by and say that um, I love your show your views, and please keep up bringing uh, more episodes. You take care, my friend. All right, Lawrence, thanks for sending that in. I appreciate it. All really good points, Roel. Uh, well thought out and well made. I tend to agree with you pretty much on everything. Uh, you know, a lot of the points uh, that we kind of, I talked about before and that you had kind of, kind of made that uh, if someone feels, uh, look, I just can't rack the 9mm Uh, and that 380 is a better gun for me or a better caliber for me, you know, that's fine. Like you're saying, eventually all guns make sense. It's going to be better to have some type of option like we've talked about before rather than no option at all. Uh, so, And also it could be a thing to where somebody gets in with the 380 and they get uh, to where they can shoot with it, they get with some confidence with it, and then they move up to a 9mm or a 40 or a... a uh, Uh, 45, whatever they want to shoot, you know, whatever they think they can do. But the main thing with that stuff is, and you know, with the calibers, it's kind of one of those deals of, uh, I, I think a lot of it is kind of much ado about nothing. Most of it is going to be shot placement and being able to, uh, be able to, to have accurate follow-up shots. So anyway, Lawrence, thanks for sending that in. I appreciate it. It was not too long. And anytime you want to send anything in, go ahead. Also, I will put a link over on the website to Lawrence's YouTube channel so you can check him out there. All right, our last bit of feedback today is from Steve. And uh, he kind of says where he lives, but eh, I, I guess I'll include it. Um, sometimes if somebody gives a lot of information, I, I won't. But I won't use his last name or anything, so... Uh, So it won't be that big a deal. 
Uh, let's see. Hi, Tony. I just subscribed to your podcast. You really need a sidekick. Oh, how dare you, Steve? Uh, you know, someone to offer a counter opinion and either make jokes or be the butt of your jokes. I live in central Arizona in Prescott Valley, about 20 minutes from Prescott. Prescott is the most gun-friendly town in the most gun-friendly state in the Union, but there are still quite a few businesses that prefer you not bring your firearm inside. Well, fuck them. I'm Israeli, so naturally I carry a 9mm Kareen, and when that is down for cleaning or gunsmithing, I like to carry my CZ-40B. Luckily, it gets quite cold here in the winter, so I only worry about printing in the spring and summer, and so far I haven't been outed or asked to leave a store. However, I do need to be careful about bending over to pick something up I dropped and not clang against metal clothes racks, doors, etc., Best of luck in the podcast. That's signed Steve. All right, Steve. Well, that is uh, some good points. You know, we talked about, last time we talked a lot about Starbucks and and, and, uh, also people had sent in stuff about, you know, if a store uh, posts a sign that says no firearms, you know, are you going to go in there? Are you not going to patronize that store? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, and you know, that's going to be up to the individual. Some people will say, well, look, you know, I'm just going to carry my gun, my right to life, my right to stay alive trumps their private property rights. They are open to the public and because they're not doing anything other than posting a no firearm sign, they're, they're basically telling me don't come in here with a firearm, uh, but yet we're not going to do anything that's going to prevent a criminal from coming in with a firearm, and and you would in effect be disarmed if you follow the if you follow our rules and respect our property rights. And look, I can I can definitely see both sides of the argument on there, but for me, ultimately, if push comes to shove, I would say again, my right to live outweighs your right to not want somebody who's not going to do anything wrong or illegal, who's not going to victimize anybody, I should say, with that firearm in your store. So by by getting somebody like me not to go in there, you're not really doing anything and making anybody safer. And of course, we all know this. But uh, again, this is a, this is a thing that can be kind of divisive in our in our community because some people are say look you know i uh you've got to respect their property rights but like i said for me it comes down to a matter of uh if i'm gonna you know if i'm gonna respect their property rights let's say and not take a firearm in there or leave it in my vehicle and then go into that store and patronize them because they've got something i need or i can't get somewhere else um I'm going to be unarmed in the parking lot going in and out of there. And, and, you know, and, and I'm also leaving a firearm in a vehicle where it could, there's potential where it could be stolen. Uh, and some people will say, well, look, don't go into those stores. Don't do this. Don't do that. Um, if they've posted a sign, but there, look, there are a lot of businesses out there that, that you use and a lot of places that you go where maybe they don't post a sign, but uh, somewhere up the corporate chain, that person is, 
is anti-gun or let's say the people that own Dell or I don't know if they are or not, but let's say they own Dell or Apple or whatever, you know, are you not going to use that? Um, and again, this is stuff that you have to decide for yourself. I don't, I'm not, I don't offer any um, judgment on somebody that decides, you know what, I'm still going to go into that restaurant that says no firearms because I like the food, it's good, and and uh, it doesn't make a difference whether I choose not to patronize them or not. I also respect the guy that says, I'm not going to go in there. Uh, they don't want me in there. They're not going to get my money. Um they don't have to post a sign, but if they post a sign, I'm not going to go in. I won't do it. So, you know, again, these are decisions that you got to make on your own. Uh, and one thing, let's say if, you, you know, if you've got, if you've got kids, I, I do. And let's say she has been invited to a birthday party at a, uh, a pizza place that has a no firearm sign. So, and, and I'm, I'm going to go in there and I'm, you know, I'm going to be kind of a chaperone, so to speak, or, you know, be there with her. I'm not just going to drop her off. Do I disarm to go in there? Do I, do I respect that, uh, that business's property rights? Um, and if you live in a state where that sign has force of law, do you engage in civil disobedience? Uh, because you don't want your kid to be in a, uh, in a situation where if, if something goes pear-shaped, you know, the, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have the option that you would have maybe out in the parking lot or maybe out at a, at an outback or something like that. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, or do you, do you, do you tell your daughter who's, you know, six years old? Yeah. 20 of your other friends are going to be at that place, but you're not going to go. Uh, because I can't go in there with my firearm, or do you just go in and it's concealed, and you you make sure that it's concealed, you make sure that you're not going to print, uh, you make sure that you won't be outed. Uh, you know, I don't know. That's that's something that you kind of gotta you gotta kind of decide on your own. Uh, a lot of times, a lot of things that we talk about, they're not just pure black and white stuff. Oh, uh, let's see. Oh. Well, that's enough. I mean, that's enough. That's all the feedback that we got for right now. Uh, so I wanted to talk about a few things that have been kind of in the uh, floating around in the news or things that I've kind of been uh, been thinking about. And one of the things, this is more of kind of like a philosophical thing that I've been thinking about, is one of the things as a gun owner, as a person who carries a firearm, or even if you're a person who says, oh, you know, I'm just not comfortable with carrying it right now. Um, and, but I have one for at home. You know, I would prefer that you, that you carry it, but that's a decision that you make. And, you know, that's another thing we were talking about being inclusive. And sometimes, you know, we can be hard on people that say, you know, I'm just not comfortable carrying right now. And, you know, and then, of course, you know, we, we give the same arguments that I've just given earlier but you don't berate that person. You don't say, man, this is what you got to do. You're going to die and blah, 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 blah. You, you say, well, you know, look here, you know, if you carry, if you get more comfortable with it, you're going to have a lot more options than if you, than if you don't, uh, you know, that type of stuff. So anyway, um, but as a gun owner and as, as somebody who, who carries on a regular basis, we, we want to be wrong pretty much every day. And so what do I, what do I mean by that? What I mean is what we say is 
if I'm right, that means that there was a situation that arose where I was in in danger of losing my life. There was a legitimate threat to either me or to my family or, or you know, it was an obvious thing that's, you know, somebody's getting beat to death with a shovel in front of you, uh, you know, that where you would be justified in acting. So you don't want to be right. You don't want to find yourself in that situation as a as a uh, a person who carries for self defense. You want to be wrong every day, and it's one of the few things that you actually want to be wrong about. Because uh, if you're right, you're going to have to to uh, involve yourself and engage in a situation that you really uh, you really don't want to have to. Um, nobody nobody who is. a sane, normal person, nobody wants to go out and kill a bunch of people. Um, you know, that's what separates us from, just because we carry a gun doesn't mean we're bloodthirsty. Uh, you know, we are carrying, we are carrying a gun not to take a life, um, but to protect a life, to save a life. We're not, we're not, uh, we will aggressively defend, but we're not going out there aggressively involving ourselves in situations that we shouldn't be. So anyway, um, I talked a little bit about that guy done in Florida, I think, um, and about, you know, involving himself when he shouldn't have been that type of thing. I found an interesting thing. There was a thing about, um, you know, you have all these state legislatures that pass all these stuff and then there is a lot of ways around those um, and things that the ATF you know, will approve. I just saw a thing and it's like the SIG wrist brace for a, a um, for an AR-15 pistol. Which, you know, uh, was set up originally to help somebody. Maybe he only had one, one hand or something to help brace it or to help mitigate some of the recoil, things like that. And basically, it's a brace that you can strap on uh, and, and put on there. And it looks kind of like a buttstock, but the ATF says, well, no, if it's on the if it's on your pistol, it's still it's something that helps you uh, be stable. You could, you know, you can hold a, uh, generally they say, you know, oh, most handguns are designed to be held with one hand type thing. But most people shoot them if you want to be accurate and have good stability, you'll shoot them with two hands. And just because, well, there's, it's, you know, this, all this stuff is so wacky and, and so, uh, so nonsensical. Um, it, it really kind of gives rise to some credence to the simulation theory that says we're all basically just in a simulation and one day we're going to wake up and be like, oh, we were playing this really in-depth video game. And these were some of the problems that were thrown at us. But anyway... You know, that whole thing about the brace, it it really shows the ridiculousness of, you know, if you put a buttstock on something that has a barrel that's, you know, less than 16 inches, all of a sudden it's a short barrel rifle and, oh, you know, so dangerous, this, that, and the other thing. But there's always ways around stuff. And, you know, so um, I know there was a deal I saw and I can't remember exactly what they were doing, but there were, you know, people, there were ways that people were getting around um, the AR-15 bans in uh, in New York. There's people that are getting around, like the magazine bans. There's people that are getting around, um, 
you know, all sorts of stuff. And that kind of leads me into the next thing that I was, that I, I saw an article on the other day where they were saying, and I don't, I don't know how much I can trust these numbers to be quite honest, but they were saying that they thought that something like, what was it like 80 some odd percent of people in Connecticut that they think. So like, let's say that they thought, oh, there's, you know, a hundred people that have uh, these assault, quote unquote, you know, assault rifles that need to come in and register them now because now you have to register them with the state. And we've only had, you know, 20 people come in and do it. So the other 80% of them aren't doing it. And, you know, some people will say, well, they're breaking the law. And if they're wanting to be a law-abiding gun owner, shouldn't they come in and register that? And it brings up the point and it brings up the questions of, when is something breaking the law and when is something civil disobedience and when, if ever, should you do it? Um, you know, is is disobeying an unjust or unconstitutional law, are you really at that point breaking the law? So, um, just again, a little bit of stuff for food for thought. I've got some of the stuff here. Let's see. Blah, 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 blah. I got a couple more things. I noticed we're coming up, we're passing the hour mark here, I think, or we're coming up on it. Uh, so got a couple more things and I'll let you guys go for the day. I wanted to tell you and talk a little bit about, uh, the ammo shortage that's still going on out there. Now I had thought that by, by now everything would be back to normal. But man, it is not. It's it's hard to find. Now, well, let me let me backtrack a little bit. You can find nine millimeter, especially 115 grain ball. You can find that at these pre-crisis prices. Uh, I can find a ton of that stuff online all the time um, for exactly what I was paying before this stuff. You know, especially like if I'm buying in bulk, the price per round is is the same. Uh, now with 22 long rifle, boy, that is tough to find. Um, if you, I actually found a box of uh, 500. So I wanted to talk a little bit about my kind of my 22 experience out here. I found I go on to um, it's called Ammo Seek. I go on to there every day and I check on the 22 long rifle page, and I see if something is at a decent price. And if it is, I'll get it now. Of course, you've got to pay for shipping and all that stuff as well, so you have to factor that in. But I also have been uh, so anyway. I found some at Cabela's. It was like five hundred rounds, and by the time you did shipping and everything, it ended up being about forty dollars. So for five hundred, but before all the crisis, I was paying. Eh, it was around like twenty bucks or so, twenty two dollars or so. Um, that you could go and you could find it on the shelf for, you know, if, uh, back before again, the, the big run on 22s came. And, uh, so I didn't feel too bad about that. It was about double, but it's still, you know, I was paying about nine, 10 cents around probably. So anyway, as opposed to, you know, that three or four cents or a nickel around, uh, that, that I'd been used to paying. Uh, so anyway, 
What I've been doing is there's a couple of Walmarts, and I've been having some pretty good luck with finding uh, the 100 round little boxes or little sleeves of them. And uh, I'll go in there a couple of couple of times a week. And uh, usually uh, of the two Walmarts that I go into, one of them about maybe every two two weeks or so, I'll be able to find and get a box. Now, they're still limiting you to um, one box per customer per day. So I haven't, in Walmart, I haven't yet found or haven't seen the 500 round um, bricks that we used to get. But like I do say, I, I've had had luck in getting some, uh, CCI, some Winchester and some other things. Um, so I've, and when I go in and I get them and, and they're not, I'm for that, uh, oh, for that hundred rounds, I'm paying about seven, which, you know, it, it equals up to the CCI is about what I was always paying before, but the other stuff, uh, I'm paying a little bit more. I'm paying probably double what I would, but at least I've got it and I can get it. And uh, I've got a good supply. And so uh, I'm not going into Walmart, you know, at four in the morning and sitting there waiting. I just go in there and if they've got it, they got it. So um, I had uh, I had ordered before all the crisis stuff, I had ordered a bunch of ammo. And so I had a pretty good selection of, of rifle stuff that I wanted um, but I noticed the other day, and this is something that I think you guys should do. I don't, I, I'm sure most of you guys probably do already, but what I did is I did an actual ammunition inventory and, uh, and I did this a while back, but I, I found, I was like, Oh, I don't have as much nine millimeter as I thought I had. For some reason, I thought I had a lot more than I did. Uh, but like I said, uh, right now you can pretty much find ammunition. Like I used to pay, for that uh, UMC, that bulk pack for at 250 rounds, I was getting those at Cabela's for around like $55, $60. And you can order them online. You can find them online now for that. Um, or sometimes maybe like a 500 round or a 1,000 round pack to where it works out when you do the math that you're paying that same amount for that. So um, I've ordered a, a few boxes of 9mm here and there. And so I think I'm I'm pretty good to go. And so now when I go in, if I see something, I'm like, oh, okay, I'll just, if, if it's a good price, I'll grab it. If not, I've got enough to where uh, I feel that I'm doing all right. Um, so uh, I think that has to about do it. Um, let me know some of your guys' ammo experiences or let me know if you've got anything you want to say for the show or you want to throw in your two cents on anything. Um, oh, one last thing, one last thing. And then I will uh, bid you guys a fond farewell. There's been a number of of articles and a number of things where person A has been has had their rights trampled upon by the police and there's been different situations and different you know uh stories that have happened i won't go into the specific things but in several of these cases what has saved those people from prosecution later is because uh, is that they had video of it unbeknownst to the the rogue police force or the the rogue enforcers um 
And so what I was thinking is, and I've, I've thought about this stuff for a while, uh, is I was thinking, you know, in your car, a lot of times people now have dash cams because they're so, they're so cheap. You can get them. You can just put a gas, uh, excuse me, a dash cam in your, you know, on your car. And then if something happens, you know, you can say, well, here's this footage and this, that, and the other thing. And it made me kind of think, well, you can get those things that are, that are pins that could stick in your shirt pocket that, that looks like a pin. It doesn't look like a camera that you could, if you got pulled over, you could, you know, click that and then it could start recording. And so that you would have a record of everything. And I know some people will get a, a, uh, like a hidden camera type thing and then they'll go out and they'll, they'll actually kind of do things that, um, what I would consider to be they they provoke a situation or they do something to where they they are looking for a way to make the the uh, police look bad. But my idea of having something like that or having something maybe wired up in your car to where it doesn't it's not apparently it's not super ready like a like a telephone because a lot of times what they're doing is they're taking if you were recording something on your iPhone or your passenger was recording or you were the passenger and you were recording the, uh, the encounter, they're taking those phones away and they're just deleting them. Uh, so anyway, uh, you have to sort of know the laws in your state, um, whether or not that would be legal or illegal to record a policeman if they didn't know it. However, I would say it's kind of like a civil disobedience type thing that if in your state they said, well, that's against the law. If it was the thing where you, that video evidence would exonerate you, you know, you may want to, you may want to, you know, you're going to have to decide for yourself here in Arizona. It's not, it's not, uh, illegal to record, uh, a police officer going about their, their duties there, you know, they, they have no, much like if you're walking down the street, you really have no, uh, what's it called? Expectation necessarily of privacy. Uh, when they go about their public duties and their performance of their public duties, they, there is no expectation of privacy for them as well. So, um, and I think in Arizona, I could be wrong, but I don't think you have to, um, you don't have to inform them that you're recording. Uh, and in, in certain cases, I mean, we're, man, we are losing so much. You know, they're, they're saying, oh, the police can do this or they can do that. Or if somebody is like, if it's your home and there was somebody uh, there who didn't live in your house, if the police asked them, hey, can we come in here? Even if you said no, if, if, if as long as anybody in the house says yes, that they can come in. It's the same thing in the they're looking to expand that, I think, or maybe they have already to, to a vehicle. So if you were uh, sitting in your in your car, you got pulled over, and the police were saying, "Well, hey, we, you know, do you give? We want to. Do you mind if I take a look in your car? If you say no, I don't consent to your to a search. And if your, you know, your wife or your passenger or your husband or, you know, even if it wasn't somebody maybe who was uh, related to you, if they said, "Well, sure, you can. That's not a problem. I don't care if you search it." Uh, you know, a lot of our, our, uh, fourth amendment rights are just being crushed and smashed down to, to almost to where it's, we don't have it anymore. But anyway, I think that may be a subject for another day. So let me know what you guys think about something like having a lapel camera or something like that. Uh, 
is is it going to be something that you would think, oh, you know, that's like you know, fifty or a hundred dollars to buy something like that, and it's not worth it? Um, is it you know, would would some people say, ah, you're kind of being you know overly cautious or maybe a little paranoid with something like that? But uh, again, in light of a lot of the stuff that's kind of come out, um, something like that may or may not be a bad idea. All right, my friends, I hope you've enjoyed the show. I hope you got something out of it, and I would love to hear from you guys soon. Take care. Bye. One step at a time, don't be living on the line. I don't need a friend, I got more than on the mind. Sunshine in my brain, making everyone complain. Radio in the heart, don't be being so strange. Think I'm losing it, baby, where you been? Everybody says that you're moving again.